This is the outpouring meeting with Dr. David Jeffries. Good evening. David Jeffries here. This is a great day in the Lord. And I've been getting called back. I've been getting texts on the last few messages, especially the Easter message and the week before on the true forgiveness in the heart of God. People have been saying my life has been changed. I've been offering forgiveness here and there and yonder and going bananas on that. So if you'd like to have the Easter Sunday service, if you missed it, or if you'd like to have the one on forgiveness, we can send it to you after the fact. All you have to do is get the, the uh, email, click on it, and it starts the meeting back from where that was, whichever meeting you want. I just want to thank you for coming and joining us. Uh, I am sharing tonight on parts of the 23rd Psalm. Uh, the wonderful part about that 23rd Psalm is it has been a standby for generations. Uh, in every old movie at uh, the graveside, you've got the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, it is so familiar to some people that it's just actually the 23rd Psalm is a little too familiar. And it's sort of from rote memory. And you really want to let the 23rd Psalm go down into your heart. And when it goes down into your heart, it becomes a part of the way you live and a part of the way you think. And so tonight I'm going to be sharing on portions of the 23rd Psalm uh, in just a few minutes. I want to let you know that uh, we're now starting at about 10 minutes until eight, simply because uh, we're showing you some beautiful graphics. If you're on in time, you saw those graphics. Our friend Mark has uh, worked on those things and done a beautiful job. But how about the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yo, they'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, without a shadow of a doubt, goodness and mercy shall follow me, pursue me all the days of my life. And when it's all said and done, it's all over. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wanted to quote that. I had a couple of year period there in my life some years back when I made certain that just every day that I could think of it I would quote to myself the 23rd Psalm. Now you know the Word of God is not just on print. The Word of God is active and powerful and whenever you quote a scripture there are many of you that could tell me that are sitting right here listening to this message how many times you've been in a distressful situation an impossible situation, the cloud of depression or darkness was over your life, and God gave you a direct word. And you began to quote that word. You began to speak it out loud. And uh, this is one of those words from the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the worst place on earth, you are with me. And by the way, one way to look at it too is, not only are you with me, Lord, you're never not with me. Now, I like that. You're never not with me. Uh, so I want you to kind of think about that a little bit. And so when you're in a difficult situation, uh, you don't just have the printed Bible. That's wonderful that you search the scriptures and, and uh, look into them and memorize them. But you need the word of God to come alive to you. 
Now, about 20 years ago, I was the Christian counselor at Evangel World Prayer Center, Prayer Center in Louisville. And uh, I was counseling during the day on Wednesdays and doing their live television show with them a little bit later. But a young man came to, to, for me to counseling and uh, he sat down across me and I said, uh, how long have you been born again? He said, two weeks. I said, oh boy, two weeks? He said, yep, I got saved two weeks ago. And I thought, what am I gonna do with this fellow, Lord? So the Lord put it in my heart to ask him this question. And I wanna ask you this question. I said, son, how's your prayer life? He said, am I supposed to have a prayer life? You see, he didn't know it. And God showed me how to give him a prayer life in one hour or one session that would last him the rest of his life. How would you like to hear that? And so I said, son, let's turn to the 23rd Psalm. And I said, but I want you to make it yours. I want you to make this 23rd Psalm belong to you, become a part of the way you live and think. So he's sitting there, 18 year old boy. And I said, now pray after me, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want, I shall not want. I said, now I want you to think the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall never lack for anything that I shall ever need. Are you listening to me? All of you that have troubles with provisions and trouble with worrying about money and worry about all those things, there are just too many overwhelming promises from God, too many overwhelming promises that once you begin your journey with Christ Jesus, it never ends. It's an eternal journey. This, this is the first day into your eternity when you're born again. And you've got to understand that God has made great and precious promises and the promises of God cannot be broken. They cannot be broken. Nobody can break them. The devil can't break them. They can't be broken. They're too good coming to us. So I'm going to look at one particular phrase in this 23rd Psalm, and I'm going to emphasize it quite a bit. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll never lack for anything that I'll ever need because the Lord is my shepherd. I had that young man keep on praying. He makes me to lie down green pastures. And then he said that after me. And I taught him the whole uh, <laughs> chapter of 23rd Psalm. I taught him how to pray the word. See, that's something you might want to learn to do. If you have nothing else to do and you, you, you're in a trap and you can't get out, turn to the 91st Psalm and put yourself in the 91st Psalm. My land's alive. The devil may come at you one way. A thousand may fall by one side, but not a one of them will come near you. They're incredible promises in the 91st Psalm that you need to appropriate. As a matter of fact, I believe I'm giving that. And I wasn't planning to. I'm getting the giving that so that you can mark that right now, 91st Psalm, and go and read it and take ownership of the 91st Psalm. So anyway, when I finished that young man, I gave him a prayer life that will last him to this very day. He's probably still praying the scripture. Wonderful passage of scripture. I'll never leave you. And then I would have him say, Lord Jesus, you will never leave me. I'll never forsake you and have him say, Lord Jesus, you'll never forsake me. That young man said, and I, and so you pray the scriptures, just a little hint dropping on you at this point in this sermon. Now, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to emphasize this one line in the entire chapter because it's such a familiar chapter. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He leads me in paths. This is a line. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want to stop there. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, if you'll think about pathways, like say there are three or four pathways of your life. Today, you get up and you have a pathway where you go to go, go take your shower. You have a pathway where you go to the kitchen, have your breakfast. And there are different pathways that you're led in every day. But I want to tell you where God's going to lead you. We don't think about this too much. Well, Lord, this is my day and I, I want you to lead me. I've had a number of people say, I just want to do what God wants me to do. And I want him to lead me in the places where I can be the most effective or I can see lives change or I can witness for the Lord Jesus. I want you to listen to this. The Lord leads you in pathways of righteousness for his namesake. Stop and freeze the frame on that. That has a, a huge mouthful to say to the Christian today. If you were to turn to the father and say, what are your intentions for me? In fact, this is a new book. I'm just started yesterday. I got the title yesterday. God as an intentional God and God has intentions toward you. And the Bible's full of those amazing intentions. Uh, I'm uh, not going to do you harm. I'm going to do you good. And I'm going to bless you all the days of your life. Wonderful things that are in the mind of God to do for you and to do for me. And so what I want you to do right now is get the idea that God intends to steer you into paths of right choosing, right thinking. Righteousness is, is uh, pure living, but it's also right living, right standing with God. In other words, God looks at the larger picture. We immediately look at the smaller picture and say, well, I have failed, I have failed, I have failed. And because I failed, God certainly couldn't be wanting to lead me. He's probably way off somewhere. I've driven him away by my failures. No, you haven't. When a little child tries to ride a bicycle or a tricycle and that little child falls and hurts its little knee and you see it bleeding from a distance, what does a parent do? What does a godly parent do with that child? That parent rushes to that child. You see, when you stumble and you fall in sin, that causes God to rush to you, to pick you up and clean you up and brush you off and give you a new sense of love. You see, so when you stumble and fall, you've got a God who rushes towards you out of heaven, who is so concerned for you because you wounded yourself with sin. And so this is what this thing is about. He leads me in paths of righteousness. In other words, God has chosen pathways for you that are righteous pathways. So I'm going to talk to you a little while about those righteous pathways. And I'm going to talk to you about how he leads you in those righteous pathways. Well, what is one of the good righteous pathway that God has chosen for you? To deliver you from selfishness and self-centeredness. You understand what um, Adam and Eve said in the garden? Adam said, this woman you gave me, this woman you gave me, she, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. She kind of forced it on me. Adam was sort of lying like, wasn't he? And yet they lost the ability to know who they were in their sin. They lost the ability to know who God was. And so God, one of the pathways that God is leading you and leading me on is for us to get out of the world of being selfish. Now, I want you to hear that word selfish because I'm going to say it a few times right into the camera. Selfish. It's all about me. <laughs> it's not about you. It's all about me. You say, well, 
Dr. Jeffries. It's not that extreme. I mean, I do like things my way. Get it? I do like things like I like things. I want to say something to you. If the Lord Jesus had liked things and followed things like he liked things, he would never have gone to the cross. He would never have paid for your sin or my sin. And so in the moment that Adam sinned, he answered his own selfish will and ate from the apple. And that was the beginning of a selfish life for many, many people. And I want to say something to you. There are thousands of Christians that are filled with selfishness that really, really almost never think of anybody else. In fact, we can prove that with our prayer life. There's a little child prayer life that kind of shows the extreme of it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, you need to perhaps re-examine the way you pray. Because if you your whole life view is one of it's about me and I got to make sure I got enough money and I got to make sure that I get mine. And I mean, you might not be thinking that so much, but you may be living it. So I want you to put a selfish spirit on an altar tonight. I want you to crucify it here and now. I want you to understand that the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to look on the needs. Paul says that we should not just look on our own needs, but that we should look on the needs of another person. And so therefore, God is going to deliver you tonight from living a selfish lifestyle. You are, you're gonna send me a message back about this. Though. Listen, I didn't realize how selfish I really was. I can just read your text right now. I really didn't realize how selfish I was, Dr. Jeffers. And I real, that realized that uh, I had made the world revolve around me and my needs. And it bleeds through my prayer life. Oh, God, I need my rent. Oh, God, I need money to do this. Oh, God, I need these people to realize what a wonderful person I am. Oh, God, it's all me. It's me. And, you know, you, we can do that and not even know we're doing it. Are you a selfish person? Is everything about you? Are you living your life unto yourself? Are you living your life unto yourself? And so one of those things that is a path of righteousness, I love it now, we're gonna get on the positive side, is living a selfless, outward, upward-centered life. Outward toward other people, upward toward God Almighty. And so God has come tonight, right here in this sermon, and he has come to challenge you to surrender on the altar yourself, what you want, what you'd like to have, and what you'd like to see. Because as long as you're doing that, you're remaining in a fleshly, away from God type situation. You can't draw yourself to God being all selfish, self-centered. Now, I can help you with this. Uh, I can help you by saying this. You know when the devil rebelled in heaven? The Bible says that he rebelled against God in heaven. And a third of the angels of heaven fell down with him to the earth. When he rebelled, in the moment that he rebelled and sinned in that, watch this, he lost sight of who God really is. He is the most mentally ill person in the universe, the devil is. He is, you know why? Because mental illness has a great central core of losing touch with reality. I don't know where I am, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm losing touch with reality. And so the devil lost before this. Hold on. 
He was the choir master in heaven, leading the praise and worship in heaven. The devil was the choir master. And then in the act of selfishness, he said these words, I'm going to exalt my throne above the throne of God. Do you understand? Nobody's going to exalt their throne above the throne of God because God is the all high, glorious, almighty, exalted king of glory. Right. I bet you like that, don't you? That's a mouthful, but it's true. And so the devil did one selfish act. He said, I'm going to be better than God. Now, you wouldn't do that. Looking at me tonight, you wouldn't say I'm going to be better than God. No. But selfishness is the same sin in its aspect is that of what Satan did. And because Satan said, I will exalt my throne above the heavens, above God, he basically in that act of sin lost the ability to know God and the ability even to know who God is. So selfishness in your life or in my life will gradually erode away the knowledge that you have of who God really is. And you'll slowly but surely, if you remain in that selfishness, if you don't repent of it tonight, one day you'll wake up and God will be so far away. You can't feel him. You can't touch him. You cry out to him and he's just not there anymore because that was the sin of the devil. And God cast him out of heaven and now cast him in a lake of fire. And you do not want to take your portion with the devil. So therefore, now you understand how important it is that you Pray this prayer. Search my heart, O oh God, and see if there's some wicked way in me and lead me in a pathway everlasting. Lead me in the everlasting pathway of God. So tonight, once again, I'm going to say this to you. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his night. Namesake. Righteousness is living once again, like I said about five minutes ago, it's living away from yourself, touching other people's lives and honoring God. Now I'll show you this. You remember the story of our brother Job? I have a whole message on Job 42.10. And it was the fact that Job had such horrible, horrible sickness and lost everything he had and lost his children in a, in a terrible uh, windstorm. And interestingly enough, wouldn't you be fixed on your pain? My goodness, night and day I'm in pain, night and day I'm hurting. Uh, my wife has gotten me out of the house. I'm over on ash heap, over on a garbage heap, scraping my wounds that the devil put on me. Wait a minute. And in one moment, God gave him a way of escape from his focus on himself. God gave him a way to escape that. But it wasn't just an escape from something. I love this. It was an escape into someone. Job escaped from his bondage and his sickness and his poverty but he also escaped into the region of the glory of God. Job was given three people to pray for. Now, I'll say this to you. Have you ever been to someone's home who had a worse situation than yours? It's like, man, your life's falling apart. I mean, the clouds are on you and God seems like a million miles away. You walk into somebody's house and you go, oh, Lord, have mercy. They're worse off than I am. They're further away from God than I could ever be. And they're living in poverty and they're serving me duck soup. And the duck, they'll put a duck in there. You duck a duck in there and give me the soup. <laughs> you, they're worse than I am. Hold on. And so Job was there. His wife came to him and said, buddy, 
God's forgotten all about you. You need to curse God and die. Let me say something to you. Job made some beautiful statements that I want you to make. Every one of the statements that Job gave at the difficulty he had were all outward away from himself and toward God. He said, does not God have the right to allow illness, to allow adversity as well as good to come our way? I don't know how he said it. I don't know how he did all that. I don't know how he did all these declarations that were toward the honoring of God. But I'm going to say something to you. One of the best ways you get out of a selfish habit is to honor God, is to praise God, is to make God great in your eyes, is to glorify God before the people, is to speak the name of Jesus boldly and joyfully rather than speaking your own needs. And to have a prayer life that is second to none, you start off your prayer this way. I'm going to show you how to pray a selfless prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you praise and glory. That's away from you, isn't it? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm not asking you to bring me that money. I'm asking you to bring money to my friend who has the same financial need that I do. Do you see how this you're, you're moving away from your selfishness and you're moving into a realm of blessing and into a realm of other centered living and Christ centered living. I am. Uh, I had a little meeting in a, a little town nearby some years ago. There was a revival, uh, Graffenburg, Kentucky. Nobody's ever heard of that place. I know you have. Graffenburg, Kentucky, the pa pastor of the Methodist church there, they had an incredible revival, outpouring revival. And he knew me and called me and said, oh, Brother David, could you come and preach on Thursday night? I thought, I never preached on Thursday night in my life. So I went over to his little church. The revival was so powerful. There's 125 people in a church that probably had 15 members. They were in there praising God. And I said, what in the world's going on? A real revival. And that night, the first night, I preached. And I preached on Job 42.10. And God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. You understand? That selfless living. That's what the opposite of selfishness is is that you give away your heart, you give away your prayer, you give away your money, you lay it down, you lay your life down, you don't take it up, you lay it down. And as you lay your life down, Christ fills you with a new joy. He fills you with a new understanding of his powerful will for your life. And so I preached that night, God turned the captivity to Job. Uh, when did Job get out of his bondage, out of his poverty, out of his uh, sickness? God turned his captivity when he prayed away from himself, when he prayed for his friends. You see, God knew how to deliver Job from selfishness. He knew how to deliver Job from the panic of, oh my goodness, my world's falling apart. I don't know what I'm gonna do. How am I gonna get help? What's gonna happen to me? He got him out of that. You cannot act that way. You must get out of your selfishness if you have any at all, and you must turn away from yourself and pray for another person. As Paul says, we ought to think of other people as more highly and more important than we are. He has a reason for that. And God decided one day, I guess it's about enough time for Job to get out of all this sickness and poverty and everything. And then God got this brilliant idea because God's brilliant. I think I'll send him some people to pray for because what will happen is while he's praying for them, he can't be thinking about himself. You like that? I love that thought. While Job is praying for somebody else, he won't be centering on his own problems. And for, watch this, watch this Job 42.10. And so when they came to him, 
they said, we need you to pray for us. I mean, it's like we were criticizing you because we figured you had some sin in your life. And he didn't because in the beginning, God said Job hated evil. He hated evil and loved God. Isn't that beautiful? So we were told kind of man he was to start with, a man that hated evil and loved God. But he was a man that was so obsessed with the difficulty of his life that he couldn't see much beyond that. But then God said, I think I'll set Job free from selfishness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I think I'll lead Job on a path of righteousness of selfless living, not just selfless in a moment, but how about changing your whole lifestyle to be a selfless person, to think first, wait, wait a minute, to think first of another person before you even think of yourself, to pray for, for some, first for someone else before you even pray for yourself. Because don't you understand that when you become selfless and when you open your heart and you reach outward and upward toward God, a miracle happens inside of you. A miracle. Your chains fall off when you make God first. When you pray for someone else, the unseen hand of God will touch you in that prayer. While you're praying, God will touch you. There was a little song that came out some years ago. While I was praying, somebody touched me while I was praying. Somebody touched me while I was praying. Somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. Now that you listen, get your mind off yourself. Only destruction comes from selfish thinking. You may not even know or recognize that you're selfish. But if you are, you don't want to be selfish one more day. You don't want to lay your head on your pillow tonight with a selfish spirit still ruling your life. You want to do what happened with Job. God sent three people, said pray for them. And the Bible says that when Job for, prayed for his friend, listen to this, God took all his chains off. Wait a minute. It wasn't as long as he sat up and scraped his wounds and, and pitied himself and had all this one of everybody. My goodness, I'm just got a terrible situation. But the moment that he said, Father, I pray for these three. The moment he said that something happened in the atmosphere. Because you see, he discovered the law of love. He discovered the law of love. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is the love of God that we obey his commandments. His commandments are all wrapped up in how we treat other people. His commandments are not wrapped up in how we treat ourselves, but how we treat other people. How you love, how you care, how you ask after the fact. Uh, someone said that they needed $800 once. I'm just going to say this. Uh, for the rent and so she was a poor woman with children single mother i went to eat at the restaurant and i had some money wait a minute i had, I had a nice amount of money and i looked at the woman and it wasn't to be mr big rescue it was so i said uh, how much is your rent she said we're about to be put out on the street I said, how much is your rent eight hundred dollars i said i'll pay it this month it wasn't being mr big i know when you give you're going to get yourself you can get your socks knocked off when you give from a free heart, Jesus looked at the little woman with a minute with his might. And the Bible says he stood looking at the temple to see how they would give, not how much, but the manner and the open heart. And the love, love, Lord loves a cheerful, joyful giver because you're getting away from yourself when you're giving. You're opening your hand and you're opening your hand in love and in giving and sharing. And that is a selfless thing. Isn't that wonderful? I like this message tonight. It's taking a little different direction than I thought, but I like it. 
And so I was preaching that message and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed, turned his captivity. Yeah. Opened his prison door, restored his food. When he prayed for his friends, he went away from himself and, and the Lord gave Job twice what he had before. And if you're a selfish person, you're going to think, oh man, he got a lot of money back. He got a lot. You won't go there. Whenever you get delivered from a selfish spirit, you know, the first thing you'll think, you know, I kind of thought this. God gave Job twice what he had before. You know what that means to me? He made him twice the man of prayer. Come on, twice the man of prayer. Tonight at the dinner table, I was talking to some of my friends and I said, I really believe the spirit of God is saying to us that he's going to raise our level of prayer. He's going to raise our prayer to a brand new level where we'll have breakthroughs in prayer like we've never had before. I felt that in my soul. So I just told a bunch of my friends that. God's ready to raise us to the next level of prayer. Well, God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And God gave him twice what he had before. He made him twice the man of love. Like this, he made him twice the man of total surrender. How about that? How would you like for God to wake you up in the middle of the night and say, tomorrow morning, you're going to have grace to surrender everything under the sun to almighty God. You're going to have grace put on you that you're going to lay everything down before the feet of Jesus. What if God put that in your heart that it's all about Jesus? It's not about you or me. It's all about him. It's all about loving him. It's all about asking Lord Jesus, what more can I do for a person? So the little girl was there. Uh, in the restaurant, and I said, I'd like to pay your rent for you. Well, that's wonderful. So I went home, got a checkbook, and I got and I wrote out a check for $800 for her rent. And I said, Oh boy. And the Holy Spirit said, The second mile. He's going to tell you that. If you're selfish, you'll just do exactly the least that you can. You notice that if you get ready to pass a collection plate and you say, Well, I got an electric bill tomorrow due, and I, I just can't do it. I'd rather sit with the electricity turned off than to disobey God or to not honor God. You see, you honor God. And the Bible says, let not every man look on his own needs, but let every man or woman look on the needs of another. You see, looking on the needs of another is selfless. It's away from you. It's not selfish. And so anyway, uh, I wrote out the check for 800 and I sat and wrote out a check for 200 more thousand dollars and so i went to the restaurant where she was still there and i walked in i handed her the check and she said oh thank you so much i mean she's crying and i said by the way if you need 800 you probably need more <laughs> isn't that a good idea i said if you need 800 you probably need something for food i mean that's your rent that's that i'm not gonna stop there listen to me you are a second mile christian because you've seen jesus you've turned and looked at him on the cross and he didn't chintzy up on you. He didn't hold back his blood. He didn't hold back the power of God. He let it all fling loose on you. And that grace and that mercy covered every sin that you ever had. And he took your sin away from you and cast it in the depth of the sea. Never to remember it against you again. Never. That's what it means to be selfless. Be like Jesus in every way. If someone asks you for a coat, Give him your outer garment, the cloak also. If someone asks you to go a mile, go two miles. Don't find the minimum that you can do. Reach outward and reach upward and you will lose the power to be a selfish person. Good word. Back to that little Grafenberg church for a few minutes. 
I preached on that message. God turned to captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And there was a man, I think he was about 32 years old, sitting on about the second or third row. Young man. And I said, anybody got a testimony? Praise for the Lord. He said, I do. I want you to listen to this because if you do not have any activity where the word of God becomes a living power right in your face, you won't understand this. But you will ask God, Lord, let the word of God come alive. Let it be alive in me. Let it be alive in my prayer. Let it be alive in this room. You'll pray that. And so here's what happened, that young man. He said, I'd like to testify. And I said, what's your, what, what's your testimony? And this young man looked at me and the rest of the church. And he said, I came here tonight with sciatic pain in my back, running up and down my leg and my back in terrible pain. Watch this now. I came to have the church and people pray for me. Now watch what God did to set this man up to become selfless. He said, but when I started to ask the people to pray for me, I remembered that I have a friend in the Frankfurt hospital, right over in Frankfurt, who's got the same thing, pain running up and down his leg and up and down his back. And he said, so I decided I wouldn't ask for a prayer for myself. Brother Jeffries, I turned and I said, Lord Jesus, touch him in the hospital. Now watch this. And while I prayed for him, an unseen hand touched me. Look at the action. While I prayed for him, an unseen hand touched me. And he said, I sit here tonight. I'm before you without any pain whatsoever. While I prayed for him, God healed me. Are you listening to that? What an amazing message. So get the idea that it's time for you to begin to live a selfless life. It's time for you to see Jesus in the resplendent glory that the Father has crowned him with as the most selfless, most outward reaching and upward reaching to praise the Father that you've ever seen in your life. While I was praying for my friend in the hospital, an unseen hand touched my back and all the pain left me. I'm healed. I'm healed by looking outward and looking upward and away from myself. Do not count things when you're doing something for Jesus. Always ask him this question. What more can I do? Don't ever stop at what God requires of you, but always say, is there more? And I'm going to say this to you. Be eager to be that second mile person. Because a second mile person has no selfishness whatsoever. The first mile person, if you just go and do, the Bible shows us that if you do what's expected of you as a servant, then you should say, I'm unprofitable. Did you know that? The Bible says that if a servant does what is required of him, now that means doing good or working for the master. He said, only until that person reaches beyond is he ever going to move into the law of love? There's a law of duty and obligation. Oh, I wouldn't let a poor dog lie, lie on the street and die. I'd, I'd do something for it. I wouldn't let a poor cat. I Really, I wouldn't. I'd do something. I wouldn't let a person go hungry. I don't care how hungry he is. I'd give him some of my bread. I'd give him. Do you understand? Your heart is beginning to change because tonight you're listening to this message and you're saying, I've been so darn selfish. I have tried to make everything work so that I'd have a good retirement and everything would be in place for me, for me, for me, for, for us, for me, for me. You're not going to do that anymore. Tonight, you're going to lay that on the altar and you're going to say, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. What a wonderful savior, Jesus, my Lord. What a wonderful savior to me. That man turned 
and was healed. I'm not going to go anymore on this, this particular message tonight. I think you've heard enough about selflessness. But I may do some more on He Leads Me in Paths of Righteousness. I may take it up next week. So if I do, I want you here. I want you here. Last week, we had like 50 some odd people. We start off with a small group, 50 some odd people. And God is adding to us daily as many as are saved and as many as our hearts want to see this kind of message. Do you need this kind of message? Do you need to examine yourself in the light of the word of God? And do you need to take ready? I have a message called take another look at Jesus. Take another look at Jesus, because you see the first time you see a man with a beard and you see a guy that they take died on the cross. But take another look at Jesus and you'll see a man who intimately loves you, who actually the Bible says calls your name aloud before God. He calls your name aloud before God. He met Peter not long before Jesus was crucified. And he said to Peter, uh, Peter, the devil wants to rip you apart. He wants to blow your mind. Now, listen to this. Jesus didn't have to do this. He had other things he could do. But he came to Simon Peter and he said, Peter, the devil wants to destroy your mind. And then he said these beautiful words. Oh, my goodness. If he ever says them to me, I don't think I'll be able to get up off my seat. He said these words, Peter. I've prayed for you. Wait a minute. Think of the son of God calling your name, Shadia. What about the spirit of God calling your name, Odette? What about the spirit of God calling your name, John? What about the spirit of God calling your name? What about Jesus saying, Mary, I have prayed for you. What about him calling your name and saying, oh, my goodness, he's made it very personal for me. Then maybe I need to make it very personal to him. By being an outward, upward worshiping person, reaching out with my hand, knowing that as I reach out with my hand, an unseen hand of God will touch me. My God, the Bible says, shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You understand? My God will supply your all needs. Why are you worried about what you'll have and don't have? Why are you worried about whether you can pay your rent? My God will supply all your needs. You just learn to walk in paths of righteousness and especially that path tonight of turning away from yourself and turning toward God and turning completely toward other people so that the unseen hand of God can touch you. What a nice time tonight. Thank you for joining me. And I have a new message for you. Maybe we'll continue this 23rd Psalm next week. And that'll be about 10 minutes till eight on Tuesday night. And if you've got people that need to hear this message, then let us know. And uh, if you have a previous message, uh, especially the Easter message and the message on true forgiveness, that the most direct attack on the cross of Jesus is an unforgiving heart. And that was the greatest challenge for people to break down and truly forgive two weeks ago. Uh, if you need that message on forgiveness or, or, or on straight line living, or if you need to get a list of what we've got, you just write us and go on my website, drdavidjeffries.com. Dr. David J E F F A R E S dot com, and you'll see books, and you'll see all kinds of things on my website that uh, glorify God. So I love you, I love you all, and I sign off. Good night. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to the outpouring with Dr. David Jeffries. For more information, visit his website at drdavidjeffries dot com, and that is spelled. 
drdavidjeffares.com. I'm Harley Cannon. Thank you.